my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Jamie Goldie. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so fabulous. Um, uh, Jamie is is, um, is is calling in, zooming in from um, one of my favorite places in the world. Um <laughs> And uh, the the south entrance of Yellowstone National Park. So we were just uh, we were we were just laughing because I spent a little bit of time in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and um, and that's about uh, Yellowstone is about an hour and a half north or hour and, and 15, 20 north, depending on traffic, right? Uh, <laughs> north of of, of uh, Jackson, and uh, and she she laughed and said, I, "I knew I know right where she gets her groceries." Uh, that Albertsons there in in Jackson. That's where I got my groceries for a year. Or so <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. But uh, but it's it's really great to see you, Jamie. Really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Jamie is a 2017 graduate of our program, and as I alluded to, she is currently serving as a recreation fee technician with the National Park Service uh, and Yellowstone National Park. Uh, um, what an amazing place to be able to to live and work. And um, it's just so exciting to get to talk to you. Let's go back in time, though, before we get to your journey to uh, to Wyoming. And let's talk about uh, growing up and 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 those sorts of things. Tell us where you grew up, Jamie. Yeah. So I grew up in San Carlos. It's a small city in the Bay Area, if you haven't heard of it. But it's like right by San Mateo, Redwood City area. Yeah, of course, of course, a Bay Area gal. I love that. Tell yep. us what it was like. Yeah, tell us what it was like gr- uh, growing up there. What did you, what did your folks do? Do you have any siblings or anything like that? Yeah, so I mean, it was crowded. It was the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, I have two siblings. I have an older sister who's an electrician, and I have a younger brother, and he is an electrical engineer with Amazon, and he actually also went to Cal Poly, and we went there, overlapped one year. It was awesome. Nice. Um, nice. And then my parents were there too, and my dad's an electrical engineer, and my mom uh, pretty much just stay-at-home mom while we were growing up, and then kind of just does Little jobs here and there. Her main one was working at uh, Filoli Historic Park, which is also in the Bay Area. And huh. yeah, nice. So you so you broke the trend of uh, electrical in the name, huh? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. That's uh, that's that's uh, exciting. Tell us what you were like growing up. What was your jam? What did you get into? Um. So I. I was a pretty quiet kid. I didn't, you know, I didn't do a lot of sports. I didn't like competitive sports and all that kind of stuff was just too overwhelming. And so I kind of, I liked band. I played clarinet for three years, played alto sax for a few years, a little bit trumpet. Um, And other than that, I just really liked animals and like going to the zoo going to the aquarium going i liked going to the nursery when i was really little my parents would go be like we're gonna pick out a plant for the garden and i would want to go tag along just to go see the plants and that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
Flora and Fauna was your jam. I love that. That's so <laughs> Pretty much. That's really <laughs> so little. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's really cool. I just absolutely love that. And um, <laughs> so so I, I've um, I've added this glory days uh, segment. Um, so when you think about your you know your middle school and high school years, you know um, what was an accomplishment that you're most proud of during that time. I think for me, it was uh, actually, I did ballet for a few years during that time. And I really enjoyed it. And I mean, again, like I was kind of a shy kid, I was kind of quiet. But one thing that surprised me that I really loved was I loved going on stage. And we did a performance every year. And so being able to go out going on stage, dancing in front of everybody uh, yeah. it was terrifying but right. awesome and something i looked forward to every year and i'm just so yeah. proud that i that i did that like that was yeah. that was a huge accomplishment for me yeah that's so exhilarating i love that um that's so great that is so great um i uh you know i i don't i have a little bit of dancing in my background my, my growing up in the south um and this is probably this is one thing that that most California folks probably have have don't know about the South is that a lot of the small towns, um, there's this push by parents uh, to get their kids to learn ballroom dancing. And so oh. uh, and so as a as a tween, um, we were all cycled into this like ballroom dancing uh, uh, extracurricular thing, you know. And so <laughs> I uh, I remember me and a partner, I, I think I won the cha 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 and uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, one, two, three, heel ball change, one, two, three, heel. Ball. So that's my uh, that's my only dancing experience, but never on a stage like what you're talking about and that's pretty, <laughs> that is that is pretty awesome love that so let's talk a little bit Jamie about the transition from from high school to college you know a lot of people have this dream job in their head or or, or whatever um talk to us about about that you said you were really into to animals and and plants and whatnot did you did did you imagine yourself growing up to be a vet what was uh what what was the your story there uh so funny enough i actually i didn't i didn't imagine myself working with animals and didn't have a dream job i feel like everybody does i did it i was just like right. i want to learn everything so i don't know what job encompasses everything so i just had fun taking a lot of classes i had a really open mind i liked I liked math, I liked accounting, I liked statistics, but then I really liked writing and I took a ton of creative writing classes in high school and in college. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of zigzagged back and forth with various jobs where it would be like I could be landscape architecture that would encompass a lot that I like or I would volunteer at wildlife hospitals and that was really fun. Uh-huh. And so I didn't have one job that I came in to Cal Poly wanting to do. I had no idea. And I even still, I don't know. I worked with the park service and I love it. (laughs) I love fees. Even being here, like I've taken some classes with Wildland Fire. I have my red card. I could go work on a fire if I wanted to. So I'm still kind of just keeping it open and doing everything I can do in order to 
figure out what I want to do because I still don't know, but I love it. I love not knowing. <laughs> I love that too. And I think that that's so important <laughs> for, um, for current and prospective students to hear, you know, because I think there is a little bit, Jamie, of pressure as you grow up to like decide, decide, decide. And I'm right there with you. You know, I, I told you I spent a I spent a year in Jackson Hall. And part of that was I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in life, you know, and um getting the mountain air and seeing the Tetons and the majesty of uh of that part of the the world was um really impactful for me. And I think that's a great, I think that's great advice. Um for people out there or, or great perspective for people out there to, to say, Hey, look, you don't have to have it figured out right away. Right. Go and experience life and go and experience lots of different things. So speaking of that, let's talk about that transition into Cal Poly and um, how you heard about um, not, not Cal Poly. We know how you heard about Cal Poly. You said you had a dad, you said you have a dad is an alum. So you, you, uh, you followed in some footsteps there, but let's talk about your story and getting to Cal Poly, right? Because sometimes, um, kids of alumni are like, no way I'm not following in dad's footsteps or whatever, or brother's footsteps or anything like that. Right. Um, so everyone has their own story about it. What, what what was yours? So I pretty much didn't know that I wanted to go to Cal Poly until I went and saw it. Nice. And uh, throughout all of high school, I was like, I'm going to UC Santa Cruz. I love Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz area is awesome. Yeah. It's not far from home. And my parents are like, oh, you know, there's so many other cool schools out there. Nothing against Santa Cruz. But they're like, just look at other ones. You know, don't have just one set on, right. you know, especially if, if you don't get in, then you're crushed. And so they're like, let's just consider other things. And right. so I got into Santa Cruz and I was like, well, I, I don't know. I decal poly but i'm going to santa cruz and you know and then we took a road trip down there and i'm like this is so far from the bay area there's no traffic there's towns where you're between cities it's not one city to the next and i just fell in love with the area and i i i just switched like that i was i was oh. dead set on cal poly all of a sudden i was ready to go to cal poly that's awesome. that's <laughs> just seeing awesome. it yeah <laughs> love it and did i catch that right your dad your dad was a alum and your brother or just your bro my brother? brother went to cal poly after me uh we know a lot of people who did go to cal poly okay. my dad was at san francisco yeah oh okay okay i wasn't sure i was like i think i might have gotten that wrong so sorry, <laughs> so sorry about that dad <laughs> um so uh that that's awesome uh, yeah i got both of it wrong you didn't follow your brother either. <laughs> your brother followed you <laughs> he did <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so let, let's talk about your experience here at Cal Poly. And, and, you know, you've talked about a couple different things that I just absolutely love, Jamie, and that's that lifelong learning and that, that, that quest for knowledge. And, and, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, I, I was one of those that that wasn't really my jam in college. I was more, you know, the, the social aspect was more of what uh, <laughs> I experienced <laughs> in college, right? And it wasn't until graduate school that I kind of flipped that and kind of started really embracing and understanding um, how powerful that knowledge acquisition is and learning and lifelong learning and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So talk to us about a couple of things uh, about your college career 
first uh what, what's that one like enduring memory that you know you'll never forget and when you look back at your time um what's uh what's what's special about your time here at cal poly and then second tell us about professional development and what you did while you were here that, where you you think to yourself oh wow that really helped to propel me into what i'm doing now yeah so I mean, so many amazing experiences at Cal Poly, you know, personal yeah. life, professional life, everything, the area, hiking around. The yeah. first thing that pops into my head is the first time that I went to the climbing wall at the rec center oh, because yeah. I, like I kind of mentioned, I didn't do a lot of sports. I didn't do a lot of that kind of stuff. I had things I was passionate about, but nothing that's super active. So mm -hmm. decided to just try it out and changed my life that i discovered my love for climbing i discovered my love for challenges uh, after that i immediately started going outdoor climbing i learned how to climb on bishop peak uh you know i climbed to the top of that multiple times did climbing out at cerro cabrillo it it just showed me how much i loved challenging myself and i think of that as a very like life-changing moment because yeah. that's when I started doing things centered around climbing. I started, I didn't used to go camping when I was little. I didn't go to a lot of national parks. So all of a sudden I was going to Yosemite because there's really cool climbing out there. And I was going on road trips to go climbing and camping and hiking and yeah. falling in love with this challenge. So, I mean, because of that, because of trying that, I've now backpacked. I've climbed to almost 11,000 feet. I've done all sorts of just crazy awesome stuff because yeah. i decided to challenge myself at cal poly i love that and i bet you developed like <laughs> an amazing community as well right because climbers mm -hmm. um there there there's this thing you know there you have to have a trust right when you're climbing and you have to have someone you trust to belay for you right and uh oh, exactly so I, I i um i know a lot of climbers i'm not a climber myself you know because i'm um I have like the the smallest fingers you can like imagine. <laughs> like people like are like, oh wow, your fingers are <laughs> tiny, right? And then I have these like little T Rex arms, right? So I, uh, uh, yeah, not conducive to climbing, <laughs> but, uh, but I respect I respect climbers a great deal and just love the community that is built there and. Um, Let's talk about now professional development. Um, what about what did you do while you're at Cal Poly? Obviously, we embrace the learn by doing mantra and that, mm -hmm. you know, that has an, e an ethos that goes across campus, not just in classes or with projects, but, you know, extends into your work life and extends into to all of those things. So is there something that you did in terms of building your professional development that really stands out? Uh, I would say that kind of like we touched on earlier, it was kind of just wanting to learn. Mm -hmm. I took, so basically I needed, uh, I took general biology for whatever GE requirement that mm -hmm. covers. And then I still decided like, oh, there's a general botany class. I'm going to take that. It doesn't help me with anything towards <laughs> graduating, but right. that sounds cool. <laughs> so I took right. that class and I would say that was another like, moment because my teacher was genios she's amazing she talked oh, yeah. about plants 
so with so much passion that uh-huh. I I fell in love with plants too. I was like, this is incredible. And she talked about this class called field botany. And I was like, I'm going to take that class. This doesn't help me with anything in my major, but we're going to yeah. start taking all the prereqs to that class. And, yeah. and it totally changed my just direction towards my professional career. And yeah. uh, it was around the same time that I switched. I started in business actually, and then switched to RPTA. Oh, and so- it was, yeah, so it kind of like started gearing me towards wanting to do something with natural resources, something outdoorsy. Uh-huh. And so I would just say it was that general botany class kind of inspired me to go towards the yeah. direction of going going outdoors and working in outdoor recreation. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, um, it, it absolutely. And, and I think what you said is so is so wise. You know, you, you're like, uh, you know, it didn't really have any impact on my graduation or on my on my uh my my path in terms of like checking boxes right and Mm -hmm. but it did have an impact on you in life and in career and when I look at your resume and and all of the different interpretation things that you've done um Mm -hmm. and for those who are not familiar who are listening interpretive is like a guide right interpretive means like you're, you're guiding people out in um in in a nature space out in a natural resources space and so you've done that um and uh and wow like that botany i absolutely relates to that and then um is is really cool and the other thing i just love that you say and and i think it's a a great lesson for us as educators and that is that people are drawn to those who are passionate about what they do, right? Like whether Definitely. you have a, you know, whether you have a love for, for, uh, for plants or snakes, you know, <laughs> we have a, we have a, we have a snake expert here on Cal Poly's campus. <laughs> who I've, I've heard people say like, when you take her class, you're just like, I hated snakes, but after taking this class with her, I'm like, I have this like a huge respect <laughs> for them now. Right. You know, and, um, and so uh, I, I just love that. So let's talk about um, getting out of Cal Poly and headed into the um, to the career space. Um, tell us about what you did for your internship. Um, I, I know since I was your uh, your supervisor, but um, <laughs> but tell us uh, tell us what you did and tell us about the process for getting that. Yeah. So I worked at Avila Beach Paddle Sports. And for those that don't know, it's a kayak and paddleboard rental company that's out in Avila Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun. I picked the name out of a list of recommended. Uh, I remember you gave us like, oh, these are people that kind of work closely with Cal Poly and you can reach out to them, see if they have something. I was like, well, this sounds kind of fun. I like the water. I like to kayak. So I kind of reached out to them, got oh. an interview got got along really well with the owners they don't own that place anymore but yeah, it's still yeah. got the same kind of vibe going on but i talked directly Beautiful. to the owners they were so much fun <laughs> emily and vince they're amazing Beautiful. people it's an amazing company and so the internship itself was working uh, all sorts of things it was working in the shop working with transactions getting some cash register experience and then it was also getting rental gear experience picking oh. out the right 
gear that everybody needs to go out there teaching people how to paddleboard, teaching people how to kayak in like super fast lessons, but you got to make sure they know what they're doing before they go out there. Right. And then it did also have uh, a tour aspect where since I was interested in interpretation, they allowed me to go out on kayak tours and lead my own kayak tours and wow. talk about otters and the Avila Beach lighthouse and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I'd take groups out. Yeah, I love it. I, I've done uh I've done paddleboarding and and kayaking out of Avila Beach and just absolutely love um Avila Beach paddle sports and and I've I've met the new owners and they are really cool and really nice and and very nice. very similar to Emily and Vance, right? They have a, <laughs> a very similar vibe, right? Now obviously they're not the same people, but that vibe, <laughs> that vibe that you kind of have to have for an outdoor shop is is really cool and important and um and uh so that that's awesome. So so, you know, when I look at your your um, your resume, Jamie, and and obviously we're not going to we're not going to go, uh, you know, job to job to job or anything like that. But I do want to, to talk about a couple of different things. Right. So yeah. you you've you've obviously landed in national parks, right? The two <laughs> most famous national parks in all of in all of our land. You know, you've gotten to experience in um, in first working um at Yosemite and um and then now working at um Yellowstone as we said you were mm -hmm. seasonal at Yosemite um as uh in doing um uh, serving as a visitor use assistant um but before we before we get there you know I know you you had some things along the way um and and one being a national park service internship at, at Golden Gate mm -hmm. National uh, Recreation Area in the Marin High Headlands. Um, talk to us about that first experience with the National Park Service, what it's like or what that time period was like. And then like, what's your big, what's your big takeaway from that internship? So that, that was a really fun internship. Uh, I did learned that the National Park Service, they really want to see volunteer hours. They really want to see internship hours. And so that was one of the reasons that I applied for that one. And it taught me so much. It was so it was specifically an interpretive internship. Now I work in fees. So it's a different department. So it got me the experience of what it's like to work in interpretation. Mm -hmm. I got to do so much stuff. If anybody hasn't gone out to Marin Headlands, I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. And so many people don't know it exists right there, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, I worked in the visitor center. And that's something that I think everybody needs to do with their park service. It teaches you so much about the park itself. Your It teaches you how to answer the same question over and over and over. It teaches you how to like plan people's trips. Uh, it's just a very good basic skill to have is visitor mm -hmm. center experience mm -hmm. and then it branched out to do a, a little bit more interpretive stuff so i also created some interpretive talks and i mean my supervisors were great they allowed me to just create a talk based on whatever i wanted and that made it a lot easier because then you're creating something that you're passionate about so of course i chose plants i did talks on how to identify plants we talked about 
uses of plants, cultural, historical, medicinal, all types of uses of plants that you can find on walks out to the beach from there. And then I also, the last thing I did was work at the lighthouse. And that was also a big interpretive little section of my job because we would talk about the history of the lighthouse and all sorts of stuff, shipwrecks in the Bay Area. And it was it was just really fun to engage the public on something so unique. And so that was pretty much my takeaway. It was just learning what interpretation is. You right. don't know unless you are there leading groups of people on hikes. Right. And it's so much fun. <laughs> right, right. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about um, your your time at Yosemite. Um, and so you, you transitioned um, to a visitor use uh, assistant. And, and like you said, the fee collection, right? And so... Mm-hmm. I think, and I, I'm just curious what what you what you think about this is is um, you know as as a park ranger, most people don't actually talk to the park rangers, right? You don't really uh, <laughs> you don't really come a, a, upon them that often. I mean, maybe you will, but um, but on, only if you you have something special going on, right? But mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as a visitor use assistant, the fee collection booth there, like everyone sees you right like everyone passes through and you're the first person they see and so um it just seems like that would be an exciting place to work tell us what it was like and um you worked uh i guess three different seasonal um uh seasonal not shifts but seasonal uh periods um mm-hmm. starting uh at the beginning of the pandemic so that must have been a very <laughs> interesting time in march 2020 2020 tell us about i guess tell us about that first experience like what was that like and then go from there yeah so i also do want to touch on you're saying that we're you know sometimes the first ranger that people see and sometimes you go into the park and you don't see anybody else that did kind of just spark in my head one of the things that we go off of being the front line to the park is this method or it's called the only ranger and so it's basically that yeah we are at the entrance to the park and someone might talk to me go in there not go to a visitor center and never see another ranger and so you have to create this this experience for them. I might be the only ranger they ever see. And being the ranger to Yosemite and Yellowstone, people are so excited to be like the Yosemite ranger. I take pictures with people all the time. And so it really is like such a great concept and it makes your job so fun to, to be like, you could be talking to hundreds of cars a day, but every single one, I'm the only ranger. I could be the only ranger that they talk to. So it does make the job very special. Um, Awesome. And then going into the pandemic, it, yes, my first job with the Park Service, I guess not including the internship, but like my first actual job, the day that I started was the day that they shut down all the entrance stations to the park because of the pandemic. I was wondering. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. (laughs) The day, the day I moved was the day that they declared it a national emergency. Uh, I called my supervisor. I was like, am I am I still moving? Do I still have a job? What do I do? I'm supposed to move today. And yeah. she didn't know anything more than I did because everyone's crazy and up in the air. So yeah. so I moved. Uh, <laughs> I moved. Yeah. I was like, you know, racing against a rainstorm that was going to close the road to get to my house. It was it was oh. an insane day. Moved in, started. They shut down all the entrance stations and then they closed the park. Yeah. And uh, so I was living in a very small town 
El Portel, 600 people. Mm-hmm. Amazing town. I love it. And uh, the park was closed for three months. And yeah. I was one of the first seasonals to get there. So nobody else was there. And uh, the park was closed for me, too. I, I couldn't go into the park or anything. So, All I right. mean... It was a, it was an interesting three months. It was I felt very safe. It was just me out there. Right. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun for my first three months of work. I was just playing video games and working out all the time and trying to keep up a routine to not go crazy during the pandemic. Right. Um, but then, yeah, eventually. And then you've the got your in your backyard, but you can't go in. <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> I know. I'm like, it's just so far away, so close. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then when the park reopened, my whole job changed it. Yeah. The job that I thought I was going into was completely different. I thought it was gonna be welcoming people charging $35. Go on in. Now we had a reservation system and yeah. that reservation system was only letting in about 50% of what we would normally let in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my job changed to being, do you have a reservation? No, you have to turn around. Uh. It. Yeah. I had to deny people entry to the park. I had to turn cars around. There were irate visitors left and right, uh, understandably so. Mm-hmm. And it tur- it turned into quite the challenging job, uh, and and it had its pros and cons for sure. Uh, that that's just uh, really really interesting, Jamie, to think about the reservation system and and how how different all of that might have been, and and so I guess you spent three seasons there at Yosemite, and um, you know, such a special place in the hearts of all of all almost all Californians, right? So it's just amazing mm-hmm. that you got a chance to do that. Let's talk about the that transition from um, a California a California woman uh, transitioning and moving uh, to Wyoming into another iconic <laughs> national park, right? Our, our very first national park in Yellowstone, um, right? Wait, am I getting that right, or was Yosemite first? Yosemite was first. No, wait. Yep. What's right? Yosemite. Yellow- yeah, it was, well, the, the internship in Marin Headlands, then Yosemite for three years, and then and then Yellowstone. No, I was meaning like uh, uh, in terms of uh, history, like which one was? Oh, Yellowstone's time? our first national park. Yellowstone was our first national park, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I started questioning myself. <laughs> Yosemite was originally a state park, and then it mm-hmm. was turned into a national park, and so that's where I was like, wait a second. Yes, our our first national park, and perhaps the most iconic um yellowstone <laughs> um tell us uh, tell us about that transition how did you get the job and um and what was that thought process like in in um making the decision to to move to to wyoming yeah it it was a huge decision i've never lived outside california a lot of people go out of state with college you know it's like i didn't even do that so moving to somewhere so wild it was it was a huge decision i had done three seasons in yosemite i loved it it was very hard to move you have quite a tight community as well just working i mean living in a 600 person town and working at an entrance station and it's all just so so amazing and so it was a big decision to move but you know that was why i did seasonal work is i get to see new parks i get to go to new places uh the national park service there's 63 national parks and wait like 400 federal fee areas but it's a really 
it's quite the networking community. So uh, my supervisor in Yosemite moved up to Yellowstone and uh, she was kind of my connection up there. And I was like, well, this is a great time to go to a new park. Then, you know, I loved working for my supervisor. I would, I would follow her to Wyoming and work for her again and go to a new park and try something new. So Uh, experience was like, once you got to, to Yellowstone, what's it been like? You just started in, in, um, in May of this year. So you, Mm -hmm. you've had a full summer now, some people might not know because they maybe they've never been there, but uh, Yellowstone is obviously um, super, super uh, popular in the summer. And um, mm-hmm. and and I just remember, like during my time in Jackson, I have to confess to you, Jamie, I'm really embarrassed by this. But um, did you I, not go to Yellowstone? I did not. Oh no, <laughs> I did not. I'm so embarrassed by it. But when you're living in Jackson, people are a little bit snobby about it. And they're kind of <laughs> like, why would you go and why would you go and sit in that traffic jam when you've got the <laughs> Grand Teton National Park right here? And so I just love Grand Teton. I explored like all over Grand Teton National Park, but I unfortunately listened to the locals who were like, there's no reason to go up the Yellowstone. And, <laughs> I so regret it now, you know, because I'm like, that's such a dumb, uh, you know, <laughs> dumb, you know, of me. Uh, but but so uh, but but obviously I know how busy it is. And so I know that that um, it's well, tell, just, well, just tell us what it's like. I'll shut up. and <laughs> You tell us what it's been like. It's uh, so it's very different from Yosemite. I actually really love that I've worked in both of these two major parks at this point because Yosemite is also a very crowded national park. And the difference is that Yellowstone is so spread out. It does not feel nearly as crowded as everybody cramming into Yosemite Valley. Uh, Everything is, you can always find parking. You can always like go on hikes. You can go on hikes and not see people. It's really different because then you're standing there reminding yourself wait i'm I'm in yellowstone right like am i in one of those crowded national parks yeah but it doesn't feel like that it's really cool there's so much to do but there's also a lot of driving and so that does throw people off sometimes when they're like oh where's old faithful like well it's actually still about an hour to an hour and a half north of here and they're like are you kidding me and i'm like yeah there's kind of no hikes to do between here and you know another half an hour you know everything's quite a drive and so it's all spread out but it's all it's very neat it's a very beautiful park I get to see a lot of the park and actually also get to see a lot of Grand Tetons because I live in between the two parks. Right. Amazing. Um, yeah. A lot closer to a lot of the Tetons hikes. I go to the Tetons every weekend. Yeah. I don't go to Yellowstone every weekend just because of the distance, but mm-hmm. but I'll still go there quite a bit. It's I'm so lucky to live between both the national parks. It's great. Yeah, yeah and I bet you just love the cl- – there's, there's so much climbing and mm-hmm. – uh, oh, my goodness. I can't – I know you're, you're just uh, – you're loving that aspect. That's got to be amazing. <laughs> so, talk to us about that. You just you just um, alluded to it a little bit, um, but I think it's really um, fascinating uh, to to think about work life balance in a place like uh, in a place like Yellowstone mm-hmm. and where you are in between Yellowstone and Grand Teton. So, so tell us about how you navigate that. Right? I mean, you know, you you when you're working, you have to be on, right? You're Mm -hmm. like you said, you're that only ranger mentality. You have to be, 
that smiling face, that that always making sure you you create an experience that is going to be meaningful and remember and, and memorable for people. How do you uh, what do you do? What do you do in your free time to to balance that and to make sure that you're you're uh, you're, you're feeding your spirit? Yeah, so I mean, I definitely make sure to get outside. I I try to go other places too. There's so many hikes within where I live, which is awesome, but it's like go out there, go camping, go backpacking. Really, especially backpacking, you separate yourself from being in the front country, being around visitors. I uh, I don't I love being a park ranger. I feel like it is part of my identity at this point. So I don't mind being there. Visitors know. I'm walking around there in my not in my uniform they know they come up they ask me questions they're like how long is this hike or where is this trailhead no. i don't know what it is but i get questions everywhere i go You're and i don't mind your vibe huh? yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it can be a little hard to separate yourself from being a, a park ranger and and now you're off duty and and so it can be just kind of hard to not want to enforce rules or uh or like right. separate yourself from answering all these questions i'm like there's a dog on that trail you know but it's kind of like all right you know calm down right. go on a hike go away from the visitors right. yeah <laughs> right i love that that is so great. That is so great. Um, so so let's talk about um, I, and I, and I don't mean to like uh, I I probably should have prepped you for this a little bit, but I I think you're I know you I know you got this, but um, you know you are in a position that um has not historically had as many um women. Um, in, in being a park ranger. So I wonder if you can touch on that aspect and and whether or not you've been empowered and supported along those lines. You mentioned your supervisor and and I I, I heard you you said you said she. So I imagine that that she plays a a, a role there. But um talk to us about what that experience has been like. It's yeah, it's definitely has historically been more of a male dominated industry like you're saying i do see a lot more women coming into the park service i love it i love talking to women at the gate they're like how did you get this job and i'm like let me tell you let me give you all the details work for the park service you know i love recruiting people but uh i've there's challenges especially when i was working in yosemite and i was enforcing a reservation system it made us we're not law enforcement uh i should probably make that like just so we're not law enforcement we do wear a badge we don't wear a law enforcement badge so we can enforce rules but we can't actually give citations or or anything like that and so it was an interesting difference at the gate to be kind of a gatekeeper to the park but not have authority and then to be a woman on top of that so It was definitely very difficult to enforce the reservation system being a younger woman as well. I had, you know, there's a lot of times where I've dealt with people who are disrespectful or don't really want to listen to me telling them they can't come into the park. And Mm. it was actually, it was not negative for me. It was very empowering. And I learned how to be, you know, authoritative. I learned how to be stern, but not rude. I'm not, you know, I'm gonna right. start yelling at visitors, but I can be like, right. no, I'm I am the person in charge here. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, right. 
it one of my favorite things is seeing my coworkers. I, that's like the best part. That's the most empowering to me is I've had people say like, "Hey, I learned to find my authoritative voice watching you talk to visitors in in confrontational situations." And right. that's even more amazing to me than finding my own voice is helping other people find their own voice and feel comfortable in this industry being a woman and right it's amazing <laughs> right 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 i love that and you know um i i think i would be remiss to not um to not address this aspect too you know we we talk about um with with our transition to experience industry management right as the department name um, one of the things that we talked about was that with students changing our name to Parks and Rec <laughs> as a major, when that's not really the name of the major, right? Right. We mm. talked about how, you know, we kind of had to reel people back in from envisioning every one of our majors as a park ranger, right? So <laughs> yeah. I always use that example. But then I always end it with not that we don't love park rangers, but <laughs> we do. We absolutely do, and we do have some students who become park rangers. And everyone I've ever talked to just absolutely loves their job. And um, and so I I make sure. And also, Doctor Goldenberg, I've got to give Doctor G a shout out. She makes sure that um, that I talk to and Dr. Hendricks as well. Dr. Hendricks, <laughs> we should give him a shout out because he nominated Jamie and, and told me that Jamie was working as a park ranger. And so I think it's so important to highlight, uh, to highlight, uh, you know, our, our our majors, our alum who are, are working with the park service. Um, last thing, last two things, Jamie, that I'll leave you with. One, if you could go back in time and time travel, what would you uh, what would you say to your former self? What advice would you give to your former self? You know, funny enough, I think that I would just tell myself to trust my gut and go with my instincts, because I think if I didn't, if I didn't just continue zigzagging in all these directions, I wouldn't have ended up where I was today. It wasn't like, wow. Climbing is terrifying. I'm not going to do it. Right. I don't think I would have gone to all of these national parks and ended up loving being outside and going to all of these places and, right. and ending up being a park ranger. And so it was kind of like, I just love that I said, wow, this is fun. I'm going to go in this direction. Oh, this is also cool. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go yeah. learn this. I'm going to take a botany class. I think that it's it really made life so exciting and it brought me to where I am today. Like it just, it, it, it did. I love it. I love it. That's such uh, that's that's so great. So <laughs> the last thing we'll leave with is is advice. You know, you said that you love when you're when you're there, when you're there at the uh, at the kiosk, when you're there at the at the front entrance um, greeting um, visitors. You know, you, you said when they ask you about it that you like recruiting. So this is your time, yes. to recruit, <laughs> Jamie. You know, we've got a we've got a captive audience with all of our students who listen to this podcast. Um Tell us um, what advice would you give to to someone out there who may be thinking to themselves like, oh, wow, I hadn't really thought about um, the park service. I hadn't thought about becoming a park ranger. What, what advice would you tell? Would you give them? My advice would be to try it because it is so scary. It's so scary to move from 
whether it's a big city like somewhere in the Bay Area or even just civilization like San Luis Obispo, to say, I'm going to up and move into the mountains. Grocery stores are going to be over an hour away. I don't know anybody. I'm going to be living in government housing. I I don't know where I'm living until like a week before I move sometimes. Uh If you don't try it, you will never know. And then the best part to realize, to remember, is it's seasonal. You can go do it for six months. And it's not a permanent move. It's very daunting to think about it as this giant life-changing decision. And I mean, it is life-changing because I did it and now that's what I want to work for for my career. But it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, And as long as you can like be confident and and just commit to six months, it can can be amazing. And, And it's really... And it's scary, but it's totally worth it. Um, and then I do have some technical advice. Which yeah, is give that, some, give yes. some technical advice. I, love <laughs> I it. had no idea. So everything, everything until I worked for the government was like concise resumes, right? You know, ah. a, a page or two or something. Government right. resumes. My government resume is 10 pages long. Oh, wow. You would <laughs> yeah, not right. realize it, but they have to be. You have to list every single thing that you do, uh. and they can't assume that you did something, so it has to be on there. So uh. in my job working for the entrance station, it says that I distributed maps. Of course I distributed maps, but it has to be on there. Right. Um, so <laughs> so I would say, like, look up federal resume workshops. There's They're right. everywhere. It's, it's, right. you, know, you don't have to try and figure that out on your own, but, but they're right. a much longer resume than a normal person would be comfortable with if they just That's were trying great. to be very concise. Right. Well, right. Long resumes and internships and volunteering. National Park Service loves seeing that kind of work. Well, I love that, Jamie. And that's technical. <laughs> that's a great technical piece of advice that someone would definitely need. I can't thank you enough, uh, Jamie, for uh, for taking the time. And now that I know that you're there, like we're going to have to plan a trip with my family to get <laughs> up there to Yellowstone and uh, and and me finally see the park and um and uh, just uh, so excited to be able to talk to you today and really appreciate you doing this. That'd be awesome. I would love to have you guys up here. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, and hey, we made it. You're a wireless. Uh, wireless <laughs> does work in, uh, in um, Yellowstone. So thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on here. So fun reconnecting with you. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.